0: Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits to strengthen Maine's economy by focusing on education, leadership, and quality of place on the web at maincf.org.
1: The time is 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at weru.org. Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard, is up next.
2: operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Maine is fortunate in its long tradition of town meetings with a, a strong record of women and men serving in local government bringing long experience and wisdom to the challenges and opportunities in today's complex landscape. And today I'm really happy to welcome some folks who can help us um, uh, see that that picture of a local community and what it means to serve um, as a select uh, person or a city council member. I'm also glad to welcome back um, my former co-host, Jill Goldthwaite. Jill and I started Talk of the Towns back in 1993, and, and uh, she took um, a very extended leave of absence to <laughs> have a career in the, in the main Senate and do some other interesting things. So welcome back, Jill. Thank you. And we also have um, with us uh, uh, Bill Thayer. Bill is a selectman from the town of Gouldsboro and uh, co-owner of Darthia Farm in that wonderful village. Thanks for coming, Bill. Welcome to
3: you. Thank you.
2: And also um, welcoming back Gary Fortier. Gary is a city council member in the in the city of Ellsworth um, uh, nearby. And uh, um, I, I think we, the last time we talked, we were talking about some of the interesting projects that Ellsworth was undertaking. So we'll ha- perhaps get an update on those. Welcome to you, Gary. We certainly can. Thanks. Great. Well, Jill, perhaps I'm um, starting with you. You, you gave um, kind of the inspiration for this program a number of months back when you wrote a column in the Ellsworth American kind of um, uh, recognizing people who have served for a long time in local government. Tell us about what inspired you to, to write that column.
1: Well, I uh, have a fascination with local and state government and the inspiration for the column really was having some insight into what local officials do how difficult that job is and yet there are so many people in maine who have served on their councils or boards of selectmen for decades sometimes multi-generationally and a lot of people think of it as a thankless job and and wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole and yet here you have these really pillars of the community who serve year after year after year and get very little recognition. They certainly are not getting rich doing it. Most towns have a small stipend um, for their elected officials, but nothing that covers the cost of actually doing the work. And uh, they get so little recognition for what they do, for the risks they take personally in having to publicly express their opinions in front of their communities and those opinions are not always in favor with some segments or maybe all of the community from time to time. Mm. So I just like to take time occasionally to recognize the people who are in the trenches and doing that very difficult job for their towns.
2: Mm. And you served for many years on the, the town council in Bar Harbor. What what inspired you to get involved um, in that in your in your community?
1: Leo Damrush. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't inspiration as much as I was dragooned by Leo. I hadn't lived in Maine for all that long i think about four years and uh, he recruited me to run for the town council and i had never been involved in that way in a community ever never knew anybody who was and was somehow intrigued by the possibility um wondering if i was electable and uh knowing that it would be a great way to get to know my community so i ran and i was hooked i served for nine years
2: Great. Well, uh, let's um, get some similar stories from uh, Bill Thayer and Gary Fortier. Um, Bill, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us first of, about Gullsboro itself. Not all of our listeners might have um, been to and but tell us a little bit about uh, what makes Gullsboro tick, and then we'll talk about some of your work.
3: Well, <clears throat> Gullsboro is um, a fairly large fishing community. I think there are over 75 lobster boats that fish. Out of the peninsula, Winter Harbor being uh, occupying a quarter of the land, and Gouldsville three quarters. Um, so fishing, clamming um, are a big, uh, a big part of the economy. Um, there's a big retirement community on the peninsula, and um, so there's a there's a balance that, uh, as a selectman, you try to. You try to see the needs of, of those people, but also the, the needs of the of the low-income people. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I guess, more active on that end, particularly through with, with the changes that have taken place when the Navy base left um, uh, Scudic Peninsula at Acadia National Park. And then uh, the Scudic Futures was formed to, fo- to dis- discuss what the future of the peninsula might be. That was headed up by my wife, Cynthia. And um, then uh, the uh, scudicards for All w- was developed again. Sh- she headed up that. Um, but my role has been, been as a selectman, m- more involved with um, things relating to the ocean. Mm, mm,
2: mm. But you're a farmer, so um, I, you, you probably <laughs> have some some agricultural interests as well.
3: Oh yes, and. Well, they fit um, what we do and what the uh, the fishermen do, you know. They they fit. Um, but uh, I was in the insurance business, which I didn't used to admit, but um, <laughs> uh, for fifteen years in, in Boston. And um, when we moved to Maine in 1976, um, I thought, you know, we're we, As farmers, organic farmers, we're we sort of a mon- minority, and at that time uh, we thought, well, I thought I, I want to prove that um, we're going to be successful and that um, I could be of use to the community. But I didn't really think of that at first until somebody said, you have a business background. Why don't you run for Selectman? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I almost said no. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I've enjoyed it, and I've found that it's been that background has was tr- terrific help when um, Stinson sold out to uh, Bumblebee as a um, fish processor, and now and then live lobster, which uh, failed. and now we're looking forward to the tremendous success that's likely to come from Garbo and in the fisheries, known as Maine Fair Trade. Mm.
1: Bill, mm. at that moment when you were asked to run for selectman, and you almost said no. Why did you say yes?
3: Well, I was honored to have been asked because um, we were relatively newcomers in in the area. And um, but then I thought um, so much of what goes on as a selectman is managing the financial affairs of the town and although I'm not an accountant I had some familiarity with reading a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement and uh, I felt that I knew what it would take to to run a town conservatively safely with reserves you know taking care of the rainy day and so forth and the town is in very good shape today, not necessarily because of me, but because we have a very strong board, mm-hmm. of people that work very well together.
2: And it sounds like you have a kind of a working philosophy as a board—that notion of conservative in the in the best sense of that word, uh, being prudent um, about yeah. your finances.
3: Yeah, yeah. We're well. We were talking about the Maine Municipal Association earlier. They recommend that you have at least two months of operating expense set aside. And uh, and we have that now, but we didn't when I came on the board, and we've slowly put money aside to take care of times when, uh, and we've actually had to draw on that recently to keep our tax rate tax rate the same as it's been. So, right. yeah.
2: Well, let's hear from uh, Gary 40 or Gary as a slightly different story in that um, Ellsworth is a city a city manager form of government um, but tell us a little bit about uh, how you got um, involved your your history perhaps with the fire
4: department leading to your role on the on the city council well thanks Ron um, that's true my family historically has been uh, very active in the fire services we talked earlier off Mike that uh, the last three generations of the 40s have 222 combined years of of service to the Mm -hmm. fire department. So as a member of the fire department, I was in and around city hall quite a bit. And it was a natural progression uh, to get involved with issues upstairs. And in 92, um, I ran for the first time and have been there all but three years since. Mm,
2: mm. And, and, and what, what led you to run? Was there um, uh, someone in, like in these um, cases, somebody reached out and said, this is, a, this is an idea you should consider? or Did that come from your fire service? What, what led you to actually run the first time?
4: Um, at the time, there were some issues going on in Ellsworth that, that I wanted to have a voice in. Mm. And I'm a firm believer in the world is run by those that show up. And I decided that uh, I was going to show up mm. and make a try mm. to make a difference.
2: Sure, sure. Well,
4: um, tell us a little bit more about
2: um, the, the, um, the 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 council form of government. Um, Jill, you also represented a, a council, but not with a. Uh, um, um, well, you know, you, I guess that these are parallel. Bar harbor and Ellsworth are parallel in terms of their, the way well, they I, govern.
1: I think maybe the mayor has more authority in Ellsworth than it does in Bar Harbor. It's really a ceremonial head of government. It's the chairman of the council, elected by the council, but doesn't have any individual authority at all. Mm-hmm.
4: And and Ellsworth is the same way. I think the biggest difference is a town meeting form of government right. would right. scare mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, scares you? Oh, the first <laughs> RSU budget meeting that I went to, it just blew me away. It was my my first time in a in a town meeting form uh-huh. of government. Um, we're much more. Controlled if you want to say that uh, we have a seven member council uh, We work very well together. Some of us have been there many years. Some are new um, We hire excellent people um, And Bar harbour did and does to this day, too but we as a council tend more to set policy and allow staff and employees to carry out that policy where bill has a lot more day-to-day operations and um, we don't, as a as a city council. Mm-hmm.
2: So you said that the the, uh, the town meeting forum would scare you, and that's based
4: on uh, so many different ideas all in the room at the same time. Uh, not just different ideas, that, but the ability to to change the outcome of a vote so incredibly. You know, the first vote at that RSU meeting I went to was, I vote to um, I moved to to cut six million dollars out of the budget. You know, it's it's, it's it's a pure form of government, but <laughs> I'm very comfortable in the city council version of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, well, Jill, you had a blended, um, you have a city council in, in Bar Harbor, um, but you also have had town meeting. So what's we the do. difference there? How does that work?
1: Well, um, I appreciate the opportunity for the citizens to kind of ratify the work of the council. I can sympathize with what Gary says um, because the council, the warrant committee have spent, most of the year preparing a budget. And then it is true that people can show up at a budget hearing. And um, we have some protections in our charter about what can be changed on the floor of town meeting and how. So that's helpful. And I think an RSU, because it involves multiple communities is an even more challenging environment. So I wouldn't propose you give up on (laughs) town meetings based on an RSU experience because they have been notoriously, um challenging to coordinate the interests of different municipalities
4: sure
1: can do mm-hmm. and
2: um, do, do all all of you have um, kind of citizen budget committees people who review the work of the select board or the the in this in your cases the the manager to kind of fashion the the, the budget and kind of give their own separate opinions is that how it works Award yeah, committee we have a
3: very strong budget committee and and uh, we have a great deal of respect as selectmen for the work that they do.
2: So they're a separate um, review from from you as as selectmen.
3: Yes, I mean, it's our budget basically, um, but, but they and they they go over it just uh, with a fine tooth comb right. and uh, spend a lot of hours just really going through nitty gritty. Mm.
1: Mm. And so then do they recommend changes to you or yes. yeah
3: yes or um,
1: can they yes
3: yeah and 99 of the time we agree with them
1: mm-hmm.
3: um i guess one of the strong things for me for the past uh, i don't know i've been there for 11 years maybe eight to nine years there's been eve wilkinson has been our town manager and um I can't think of a finer town manager than Eve is for us. Um, She has almost like a photographic memory, and she goes to most of the budget committee meetings. Um... That's been a great help to, to me anyway. Mm-hmm.
2: So there's the relationship between, um, in your town's um, a, a kind of a, a city manager, or in your case a, a town manager, um, that relationship between the board and that um, kind of uh, official that you appoint, um, what's that like for, for well, what was it like in, in your case, Jill, and, and Gary, what's it like for you? You've got a, um, a city manager. What's the relationship between the,
4: the uh, city council and the, and the manager? It's quite close. Mm-hmm. Um, we have finance committee meetings fifty Friday mornings out of the year, <laughs> seven a.m. Um, we go over all financial issues with the manager. Um, communication is extremely important, and she's very good at that. And I say Michelle Beal is her name, not just the city manager. Right, right. Um, she's got the passion for the city and uh, works very hard, has surrounded herself with some incredible employees. And budget for us, to key off on bills, is the department heads and the finance director build the budget, okay. pass it on to the manager for review, the manager presents it to the council, then we have six or seven public meetings where people can come and comment on the budget. Uh, and very few do, mm. Um, mm. for some reason, Very few come to to ask us to change things in the budget Mm -hmm. other than the mill rate. Mm -hmm. They like it when we keep that down. Right,
2: right. And the mill rate, again, is is the rate um, that uh, per $1,000 worth of value that you will be assessed in taxes. That's correct.
4: Right,
1: right.
2: Jill, what do you remember about the Bar Harbor budget process? You were active in... You say
1: that like it was a really long time ago, and I might not (laughs) remember, Ron. It was a while ago. It was a while ago. Um, I, I will say for... The town of Bar Harbor, which is, I mean, all coastal Maine towns have seasonal population influxes, but Bar Harbor has it on steroids, and um, we turn into Maine's fifth or sixth largest city on a summer day. So it's very challenging from a management point of view. Uh, Dana Reed, our town manager's great gift to Bar Harbor, was to regularize a lot of our procedures. We were rather weak in the area of policies and procedures, human resources issues and so on and Dana did a masterful job at putting together The resources that we needed to put us in much better shape internally. And uh, he also produces, I think, a uniquely helpful budget document. You could pick up that document, sit down, read it, and understand the town finances uh, without having to have somebody at your side explaining it all to you. So I really give Dana a lot of credit for putting us on a sounder footing in that way. And, you know, the budget process is, just as Gary mentioned, it can be fraught with surprises when you have a town meeting form of government Um, but basically we have a warrant committee they examine the budget carefully they make their own recommendations as does the council those appear in writing on after every article on the warrant and then we do have a town meeting in the late spring now to um ratify that work by the by a vote of whoever chooses Mm -hmm. to come to town Mm -hmm. meeting well, one of the things
2: that I wanted to ask um, each of you really what what are some of the changes you've seen in your um, years of service um, in terms of how the, the what some of the issues the town is facing. Bill, you mentioned the um, the um, uh, going away of of Bumblebee and then um, the attempt to find um, a new um, uh, occupant of that um, facility down there. That's probably been the biggest um, kind of change that you've had to face as a community. Other than I suppose that you already mentioned the the. Uh, um, the Navy base going away.
3: Well, the Navy base was a big change because um, as they left, they took something like 90 elementary school students with them, mm-hmm. which left the town of Winter Harbor with 30 or 40 students. At the same time, it was sort of coincidental that there was a mold problem in the in the Gouldsboro Elementary School, and so we were invited to bring our students over to Winter Harbor, which was... A real plus because there's the two communities on the peninsula are are somewhat different um, and they didn't always get along one issue or another but it, it helped bring us together that they're accepting our students at, the, at their school and then as a result sort of of that change um, we qualified for grant money to build a peninsula, peninsula school which is a, a beautiful new school i don't know five or six years old now um, and that's where we have our town meetings now the, the the one thing that uh has been was really rewarding to me although it was i stuck myself out on a limb was when uh, live lobster came to town they had such a they had a bad reputation and i thought that is that true or isn't it true? And they applied for grant money, and um, the town would have been on the hook if they weren't able to pay that back, so we had to analyze their uh, profit and loss and balance sheet, and and um, now that it's all over and done with, um, I think I'm a little freer to talk about it, but at the time I couldn't say what I had seen on those, on those statements, and when we were going to, the selectmen were going to, co-sign this loan that they were going to take out um, I said no they can't we can't do that that would really put us mm-hmm. at risk mm-hmm. and the townspeople who came to the, that one particular meeting said you've got to let them apply so we did let them apply but then when it came time to, to sign it for going forward to receive the money um, Jim Watson and I, Jim was a very good selectman at the time, um, we said, there's no room, there's, there's nothing left for collateral. Mm-hmm. And so we said, no, we won't sign it. Well then, they got they got some grant money, which the state will never see back, uh, and it wasn't like three or four months of operating, and they went out of business. They went belly up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, although I felt criticism in the beginning for, you know, speaking out ag- against this company, I think I did my job mm. in the end. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that the, the rush to create a, a positive solution, you were getting pressure not only from local people but from the state government to, to go along.
3: You- <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> want to comment on that. Mr. Baldacci was... <laughs> No, no comment. <laughs> okay,
2: okay. Um, uh, Gary, what, what are some of the, the things that you've seen change, and how is as uh, how have you and your council members, fellow council members, played a role in, in some of those changes in in Ellsworth? Well,
4: <clears throat> most of us on the Ellsworth City Council understand that uh, we are truly a service center community, mm. and we needed to start acting like one. Uh, we've taken on more um, projects with the state DOT because we know that. It's a benefit to the whole region, not just Ellsworth. Um, we've started looking if we have economic development, if we can't get them to come to Ellsworth, we'll at least get them to come in one of the outlying towns mm-hmm. because they're going to shop in Ellsworth. Uh, technology, um, the more stuff we do nowadays with technology that we used to. I mean, you could sit on your computer anywhere in the world and watch an Ellsworth City Council meeting, mm-hmm. live streaming, just mm-hmm. like you can listen to WERU. Um, so that's been beneficial. And when our local cable access went down for a few weeks, a couple of years ago, we got more telephone calls on that cable being out than we did if a street light was out. So um, people becoming more involved in, in community functions. Um, I think this council has a good, clear vision for the future. Uh, We understand that uh, uh, things are changing, and we have to be ahead of the curve. We're extremely excited uh, about the future with Jackson Lab uh, coming up here on the Hill. Uh, We're looking forward to that, and uh, hopefully we can uh, partner with them and get um, more benefit for Mm. the community in the area. Mm.
2: And were there particular challenges along the way that you felt you faced as a, as a council, um, kind of uh, tipping points, um, as, as Bill described in terms of that situation? It was a tipping point. Will the city or the town of Goolsboro invest or co-sign or not?
4: Yeah, there was. Um, Walmart wanted to come to town, um, but the state DOT was going to mandate a couple million dollars worth of road improvements along the Myrick Street corridor. The city looked ahead and saw it'd be a lot better if the city did this project and recently's been in the paper pros and cons we developed a tax increment finance district on the hill we bonded the money did the project and then any time someone comes in they pay the city back mm-hmm. so it's been it's been an uh, excellent project uh, that was uh, a political will that uh, some councils were uncomfortable with but uh, in The end result is I think it was a correct decision, Mm. Um, and it was beneficial for for everybody in the region.
2: Mm. I'll just remind listeners they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're having a conversation about serving in local town government. How does that work? Um, In in the studio with us are Jill Goldthwaite, former state senator and former town council chair in Bar Harbor. um, Bill Thayer, a selectman from Gouldsboro, and Gary Fortier, uh, City Council of Ellsworth um, in a l- little while we'll uh, proper reach out to uh, John Bannister uh, selectman in Blue Hill um, but uh, d- Jill have you seen those kinds of changes in either your town or um, you have a broader kind of uh, view now you're writing a column every week that's mm-hmm. a that's a pretty uh, significant kind of um, commitment to being observing what's going on in, in local communities
1: mm-hmm. Well, I've had a unique opportunity, I think, um, to observe and as I spent more and more time in the Bar Harbor Council and became involved with Maine Municipal, when I was president of MMA, it was my goal to visit a lot of the outlying areas in the state. It's difficult for people from northern and eastern and western Maine to get to Augusta very often. And um, I decided that we would take MMA on the road a bit and go and visit them. So I had a great opportunity to meet a lot of elected officials. And then when I was campaigning for the Senate and serving in the Senate, I had even more chance to spend time first of all i will say that it is my opinion that local officials make the best legislators they have a greater understanding of how all that stuff in the real world works than people who have not served in public office but um, the change that i think is the significant one is that back in the day and i don't know if it predated bill and gary or not um, Selectmen worked by communicating with their communities. They knew their communities really well. They served unbelievably long time in office, and their business was done on the steps of the post office, in the coffee shop, on the corner, or leaning on the back of a pickup truck. Now we have tons of rules and regulation about how we have to do everything, when we have to have hearings, how they have to be held, what the length of notice is. I'm not saying that that's all bad because there were times when the public did not have sufficient access to their local government, but I'm saying that it's very different. And it is a model of functioning that I don't think is second nature to people who grow up in rural Maine and who live their lives in intensely close communication. Those selectmen knew everybody in town. They knew who would support an idea. They knew who the outliers were and how much they had to worry about them swaying public opinion. So although they did that job differently, I think they did it very thoroughly and in a way that may have actually involved more people than now are public hearings. And a lot of people don't want to go and stand up in public and give their opinion. And so... I think the two systems each have some validity, but they are very different, and mm-hmm. that has been a big change. When you have someone on a board of selectmen for a small town who has to observe lots of rules and regulations and laws that may apply well to a big city, but are really challenging, all the positions that we have to have in our communities to cover all those bases, Some towns barely have that many people to Mm -hmm. do that. So I think that's the biggest change from the early days of my experience, which were probably kind of the end of that era of informal leadership in a community. um, And now where we are really completely boxed in by rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. Comments, Gary or or,
2: uh, Bill? Have you seen that shift to being more formal in our our deliberations and our um, notice of meetings and um, having quorums and those kinds of things?
3: Do you face that? Well, um, the restrictions on development and what what a person can do building their own home, um, those are the complaints that often hear of but on the other hand um, you know the fact that a septic system has to be designed by a professional and, and in, inspected um, for us with so much water frontage um, recently DMR warned about leakage over in uh, Joy Bay which is uh, between Goldsboro Point and uh, Stuben and um, those things can be damaging to uh, clam flats. And right, right. So catch-22 in many ways, you know. People say, oh, no, governments stay out of our lives. But on the other hand, sometimes it's useful.
4: Right, right. <laughs> Gary, have you seen any of those kinds of changes? Yeah, I have. And unfortunately, I think a lot of it comes from uh, litigation of previous um, administrations where— uh, You've got to make sure that every record is kept is done above board, which is a good thing, but just the record-keeping and then public notices, um, it, it takes a full-time job. Um, our, our city clerk is, is inundated with requests, mm-hmm. Freedom of Access Act, uh, all the requirements that come down from the state legislature. Uh, yeah, it's it's become a bigger job than it did 20 years ago.
2: Right. Well, let's now go um, by phone to um, John Bannister. John is a selectman, longtime selectman in Blue Hill. And Jill, I'll let you kind of introduce um, why you've reached out to John to, to be part of this radio program.
1: Well, John is the man. And when <laughs> we I called and asked him if he could join us, he said, well, I don't know. I've, I'm unpacking meat right now and the store will be on. It was clear that um, the challenges of having to make a living and being a selectman can sometimes be conflicting too. So I'm really glad that John has been able to call in from the store and look forward to hearing him comment about some of the issues we've been talking about
2: john welcome to talk of the towns thank you tell us a little bit about your own um, kind of background and how you got involved uh, each of the our other guests have talked about what led them to start serving um as a select person or um a city council member what was your what was your story around that getting started
0: well i guess uh i graduated from uh Bowdoin in 75 and came right back to town and uh almost immediately got involved in uh, going to the annual town meeting, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. Hmm. And, uh, of course, they uh, asked for uh, volunteers every year to serve on the budget committee. And uh, not very nobody was sticking their hand up in the air, and I stuck my hand up and said, hey, budget committee, sure, let's get on there. And I ended up uh, being on that budget committee for seven years, I think, and was the chairman for like the last four or five. And uh, it kind of opened my eyes to the inner workings of the town because one of the things you find out right off the bat is that what's presented in the warrant in the annual town report and what actually is happening behind the scenes sometimes uh, isn't exactly the same there's more to it than every story you hear the gloss but you don't understand what's behind what the reasoning is behind it and on the budget committee you were able to sitting there in the you know, in a room in the office, ask a question, and you get an answer that normally nobody's going to talk much about that answer. Hmm. And, uh, I always found that, you know, fascinating. I mean, a little story that I like to tell is one time we had, uh, we had a, uh, a, uh, dump, I guess you'd call it. And in this dump, uh, every year they raised, uh, you know, $6,000 for covering and take, maintaining the dump. And when you get on there with the, uh, budget committee, you notice that, well, last year we spent, you know, $6,800. And it's like, well, and the selectman would say, well, we think we can, we should have six again. And I go, well, you know, I've been here for five years and every year we go from six and they spend 68. Why don't we raise it to 68? Or why don't we raise it to seven? Why do we keep putting it at six? If, and there was a big smile on the selectman and it was, well, because if you raise it to seven, they're going to spend 78. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, oh, so there's a little internal check and balance. Like, we know they're going to go over, so we just accept it, and we just set the budget accordingly so that when they go over, that's the number we can really live with. Right, right. <clears throat> And, of course, sitting there in a town meeting, you never would get that. You never would hear that. You find that out going through the the budget committee and asking questions, going – Oh, there's so much that I apparently don't know.
2: <laughs> right. And
0: well, that, I think
2: I think serving on the on the budget committee is the, a window into the town that very few people that haven't done that uh, wouldn't have.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's it's as a matter of fact, at one point in time, it was like six of our last seven selectmen in town all came from the budget committee.
2: Right. right. You know,
0: you you get the bug, you get on there, you get <laughs> to see it, and then of course the next thing that happens when you're when you're on a budget committee or when you're uh, actively participating from the floor in a town meeting is you start saying to yourself, why do they do this? Or why don't they do that? And you feel like you have a better idea or you would change something. And that drive makes you want to get involved so you can see if you're thought or your idea works so you go to get involved
2: yes uh, describe um the the, uh, the the local government how many select uh, people are on your uh, board and uh, also just a little thumbnail sketch of blue hill and the kinds of changes that um you've seen um since you you came back in 75 but first of all how many people on the select board
0: there's three a three person board
2: uh-huh and you have a, uh, um, you, but you don't have a, a town manager. Is that correct? We do not. No. Right. So you do all of the business, um, dis- different from the other guests in the studio. You do all of the business of the town as volunteers, or uh, perhaps with a small stipend.
0: Well, certainly not volunteers, and uh, I wouldn't even use the term small stipend. <laughs> um, we do very well compared to most of the small towns around us. We're paid by the hour, um, and you basically there's no restriction on how many hours you can put in at this point. That may change in the future. Um, but, so I wouldn't, I know some okay. towns, people, you know, work for $500 a year or 1000 or whatever, and uh, that's not quite the case here. But like you say, we're doing the job that, you know, you would need a, uh, you know, a $100,000 administrator and then staff. I mean, we've compared ourselves to other towns in the main Townsend Magazine, and when you find some that do have a town manager, it's amazing that it's like an umbrella. Below them, there's a whole level of support staff that that town manager seems to need to have. Mm -hmm. They don't just do all the work themselves. All of a sudden, they have to have an assistant. They have to have... Uh, everybody's elevated in their stature at that point in time. It's no longer local, little government with some selectmen, and a treasurer and a town clerk. Everything moves up the uh, financial ladder when you do that, make that move.
2: So do you find yourself specializing, that each of you as um, uh, select uh, men uh, kind of specialize in in one aspect or another?
0: Well, to a small degree. I mean, obviously, if... if, uh, if you feel strongly about something, you're going to pay more attention to it. But, no, we don't divide okay. up. I mean, it, it. I'd almost say it really does run on autopilot. I mean, we get our instructions from the annual town meeting. Uh, if we want different instructions, we put those instructions into the next warrant articles for the next town meeting. Um, we try to operate in between town meetings following the general guidelines that we were given at the previous town meeting. And it... it it, there really isn't an awful lot of of uh, out of the blue decision making. You know, that's the one thing that a town manager can just out of the blue say. I think we need to build a salt sand shed and go off to the council, and away you go. You got a salt sand shed. Well, we we have to do some planning and then present it at the next town meeting. See if the town wishes to go for it. Tell them what the financing will be and. And we've got a few more steps to go through.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, t- t- tell us a little bit about some of the changes you've seen, um, the, the kinds of issues that you're dealing with as a as a town, the town of Blue Hill.
0: Well, I, I guess I mean, the biggest change that we see over the years is uh, is growth. I think when I first uh, got in here, we had uh, I don't know like twelve hundred people or something, and I think now we're up to twenty five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, we have more and more year round full time. Uh, businesses that 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 operate uh and it, there just seems to be more more retired people have moved here to make this their retirement home uh Blue Hill seems to have a lot of uh a lot to offer as far as uh culture i guess you might say that attracts people looking for a place to uh, retire to and uh away they come so
2: and, uh, and bill fair said some something similar about uh, the Goolsboro peninsula um and there's a kind of a balancing of the interests of the local fishermen and and uh, p- people and the retirees do you find that balancing act um uh, difficult in blue hill
0: um well i guess one of the problems you might have with with uh, the town meeting form of government is that you may not always get a representative vote mm. Uh, what you get is who shows up at the annual town meeting, and at this point in time, you know we get anywhere from uh, eighty to one hundred and fifty people to show up to an annual town meeting.
1: Which that's because you have a really good lunch. <laughs>
0: yeah, but <laughs> I was going to suggest that isn't a lot. That if you wanted representative uh, government, you probably should have about five hundred voters coming to to weigh in, and we we have such a small number that I think uh, the common thought is that most of the Let's call them natives, for lack of a better term. The fishermen, as you might be calling them, uh, and carpenters and whatever—they generally don't show up for these meetings. They're either working or they just have the feeling that what difference does it make? Uh, you can't change things, or you know, we're outnumbered, or whatever. So when you say conflict, if there's a conflict, it's a silent conflict. I'm not sure that mm-hmm. there's that much of a public conflict. Mm-hmm. I think think the people that show up at town meetings seem to have time in their hands, and uh, the the thing we hear over and over from people who move here, from away, as we like to call it, is they're amazed at how you can show up in a town and participate, and suddenly your voice really means something. You really get a vote. They come from places where, you know, they're just one of millions, and it doesn't, their vote means nothing. Mm-hmm. To hear where they feel like Good Lord, if I stand up and make a little speech, I can get 20 other people to side with me, and the next thing you know, I've turned the tide. This is incredible. I love Blue Hill.
2: <laughs> John, what keeps you going? Um, why do you continue to serve um, in, your, in your role as Selectman?
0: Has my wife been talking to you? <laughs> um, I think the, the overall thing that I think every person who's been a Selectman is that we all have a desire to make a difference. You know, not just a desire to exist, not just don't want to just wear the hat because somehow we think it has some panache or whatever. We just we we feel like we want to make a difference. And I think in my case, and, and I would venture to say in a lot of others, one of the reasons you hang in there year after year is you're afraid that if you step down. They're going to undo things that you did, and then we're going to repeat right. the mistakes of the past. Because I've seen it over and over again where yeah. after, ten, after seven or eight years, somebody forgets that you used to try that and it didn't work. Yeah. And so somebody's immediately standing up at a town meeting or at your, annual, your weekly selectmen's meeting wanting to know why you don't try this or why you don't do that. And when you calmly explain, well, we tried that seven or eight years ago, and here's why it didn't work they're still not convinced that you, you know, we're doing something wrong. So there's always people that want to reinvent the wheel. And if you have people that have been on something for a long time, sometimes they can be an impediment, but sometimes that historical knowledge keeps you from making the same mistake over and over again. So I think that's one of the reasons that I'm hesitant <laughs> to, uh, to just step down is, uh, right. I don't want to have to see us go through over and over again. You know, we've, we've got it. So it's working right. pretty darn smooth. Why upset the apple cart?
2: Any questions for John before we let him go?
1: I don't think so. I really appreciate your calling in, John. I know you were having a busy morning, and uh, you certainly were one of the first people who came to mind when we thought about who's been a selectman for a long time around here.
0: Well, I appreciate it, and it was uh, fun to be on here, and uh, hopefully I didn't say anything that uh, (laughs) will end up getting me uh, impeached or in trouble, so...
4: (laughs) Gary, Gary Fortier has a question uh, or comment. John, Gary Fortier, I, Hi, Gary. I, I'd suggest that what you just described is is awfully close to an addiction. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I, I, I do think that there's some truth to that.
1: The yeah. problem is there's no treatment, John.
4: No, but but I would have to concur with you that one of the best ways to get to know your community for me in Ellsworth was part of the warrant committee that meets 50 times a year and looks at every check that goes out. You really learn what your community is doing by doing that.
0: Well, yeah, and I'll bet you, to a smaller degree, have the same thing that I've had for years. I work here in a grocery store, literally right across the street from the town hall. Now, as Jill was saying earlier when I was listening, you know, where is business conducted or where do people come to see you? I get... To uh, Anywheres from from three to ten people a day that seek me out while I'm here and I'm sitting here, you know cutting a slab of meat or whatever, and they're talking over the counter, wanting to know about this road, can we ever rebuild it, about paving, about their neighbor, their dog, something? I mean, they, any problem, oh, well, just go see John uh, at, at Merrill Hinckley. I mean, if it's, it's, they come to you at your business and ask you, so anybody who thinks, oh, if you're not in the town hall, you're not working. Oh my heaven! <laughs> <laughs> and Jill knows. I bet you how many phone calls do you get at home? Oh, yeah. I'll bet you you had thousands of phone calls at home.
1: I did most of my business in the vegetable department at the grocery store. Yeah, that's that's where <laughs> I get hit too.
0: Right. So, I mean, that's the thing of, of of serving you know these small towns, state of Maine. It's it's not just show up at the meeting; the lights come on bang the gavel, here we go, now you can talk to me. Oh, no, no, they talk to you all week long.
2: <laughs> That's great. John, thanks so much for being with us here on Talk of the Towns.
0: Uh, I'm glad to do it.
2: Okay, John Bannister, who's a longtime selectman for the town of Blue Hill. Also in the studio are Bill Fair, a selectman of Goolsboro, Gary Fortier, a city council member from Ellsworth, and Jill Goldthwaite, former state senator and former chair of the town council in Bar Harbor. We welcome your phone calls as well. one 625 9378 or 469 That's one 625-9378. If you've got a question for our guests, or perhaps your own experience to share about serving in local town government. Um, so John gave us uh, plenty to th- talk about or think about. Um, uh, you probably get this um, as, as well. People approach you no matter where they see you. They ha- they have some idea about the town.
3: Bill? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And 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 Jill, you said you're you're you remember being um, mm. in the in the supermarket. That was a place for people to approach you.
1: And generally, beginning with I've been meaning to call you. <laughs> you know that there's a but you know that's to me that was also the upside of doing that mm-hmm. is that direct contact with people and right. you learned a lot. Um, um, I, I found a piece that I wrote maybe when I was uh, running either for council or the Senate, in which I talked about my day, and it included going to the coffee shop, getting something to eat, somebody sitting down on the stool next to me, and we talked about a road, and then he left, and somebody two stools down said, well, I guess this is your office, so what about this? And we talked about that. And then I went to the post office, and somebody had chased me down the street and pulled over and hopped out, and t- and I said it was, you know, it was a place where campaigning if you will is simply living your life going through your daily routine going to work coming home stopping at the store and that is where those transactions happened and information got passed back and forth but that's a pretty pretty nice way to do business as opposed to an office or a, a, even a town hall where people come in you're not sure who they are you're not sure what other parts of their lives may be affecting their opinions And it's harder to make good decisions. It's a a very personal level in Maine, and I think that's a good thing.
2: Mm. And I think uh, uh, John Bannister noted that how refreshing it seems to many people who are coming from away who find themselves in one of these small towns and say, oh, I have access to the people who are making the decisions. Because in
1: a lot of places, you do not have that access. You can maybe talk to a secretary, but you can't get to the people who are running your community.
2: Right, right. So, um, again, I'll list our phone numbers. Perhaps there's listeners out there who would like to share their story about serving in local town government, 1-866-625-9378, or locally, 469-0500. We've talked about some of the good things um, uh, that you you feel as as uh, uh, local public servants. Are there some challenges that you feel in terms of playing this role? How do you, how do you, uh, um, are there
4: times when you don't sleep well at night <laughs> because you're, you're facing some issue. Gary? Yes, certainly. Um, you can't please everybody. Right. Um, one of my common ideas is is you can't listen to the loud voice. Hmm. You have to listen to the majority of the voices. And sometimes that's pretty difficult when uh, you have different levels of, of interest from the community and projects. Uh, you can see the big picture, but they're looking at What's this going to affect them? What's it going to do to their tax rate? What's it going to do to their neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a balancing act, and uh, I, I think uh, communities in this area have done it pretty well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, One of the things that I hear from people is if you have a business and you serve on a board of select mayor or council, it could have a negative impact on your business if you do something unpopular. Was that a factor for either of you?
4: It, I haven't seen it Um and I'm pretty vocal in a lot of the issues going on in Ellsworth. So,
1: I've noticed that, Gary. Yeah,
4: um, <laughs> my wife likes to remind me that I I work so that I can politic.
1: Mm. Um,
4: so that's I'll I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Bill, are you are you are, um,
2: are there challenges in playing the role, of serving as as a, a local selectman?
3: Well, I have a challenge at this very moment, which is. Uh, to make a long story short, there was a bell that was given to a Prospect Harbor fisherman back in the middle 1800s because the Prospect Harbor um, captain saved the people on that boat that was sinking. Well, the bell then you know, belongs to the town of Gouldsboro, so so we're quite sure it was given to, given to this uh, captain and then a replica was made about uh, i don't know five or ten years ago to send up to charlatan pei which is where uh, that that's that captain of that ship that went down where he came from so we had dick fisher of u.s bells make a replica that you you almost couldn't tell the difference well today they're asking for the return of that bell for a year in ottawa for their to a bicentennial or something. And uh, the older people in town who knew about the bell because they rang it in the elementary school for recess or whatever, for for the most part, they don't want that to happen. They're afraid it'll never come back. The younger people who don't have that history um, could care less almost. We, as a board of selectmen, have been asked to make a decision as to whether to send it or not. The bell doesn't really mean anything to me. They don't teach it in the elementary school what the bell means, um, so. I think I'm going to defer to the older people because it means a lot to mm. them. Mm.
1: This is great. It's an international incident in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <Kingsborough. laughs> I love it. And here, this is exactly what happens when you get on a board of selectmen. You're thinking you know, budget. You're thinking roads. And suddenly, you've, you're trying to decide whether you should send a bell to Canada. I mean, anything could happen. And I think the value of people like Gary and Bill and John who serve in office is that they're kind of prepared to deal with anything. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going to come up next, but it could be something you never dreamed was <laughs> going to happen in your term of office. one 625
2: 9378 as we begin to wrap up our hour of conversation here on Talk of the Towns, talking about serving in local government. So kind of final set of, uh, you know, question is really has to do with if if you were to encounter someone who might be interested in running um, for a local, local position, what advice would you give um, a young man or a young woman or, or even a middle-aged person who's said, I, I'm interested in, in running for um, a local select board or uh, city council?
4: Well, Gary? it it amazes me when someone takes out papers at Eldridge City Hall for a city council position that they've never been to a meeting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right.
4: Yep. I, I I would suggest that anybody that has an interest in, in municipal government is get involved as 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 a citizen, go to the meetings, listen, understand the issues, uh, stop making comments, you know, be involved. Mm.
2: Um, so don't start at that um, elected position, but get involved some other way so that you understand some of the workings of the town.
4: Yeah, for instance, in Ellsworth, we have many subcommittees. We've got Recreation Commission, we've got the Harbor Commission, we've got the Planning Board, we've got mm-hmm. the Appeals Board. Wherever you're comfortable starting, get involved, and then you can go from there.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She'll agree with that, that sentiment or add anything to it?
1: Absolutely. And not only getting involved on a committee, but just coming and sitting in on some committee meetings and getting a sense of what's going on. I think people need to be realistic about the fact that, <clears throat> as John said, it's not showing up at a meeting and turning on the lights and having the meeting going home. You are kind of on duty all the time, and it takes a tremendous amount of time to, to do it. So... I think people need to be realistic about the kind of commitment that it is, but it is a great adventure and a wonderful way to know your community as you would not otherwise know it.
3: Mm-hmm. Bill, any thoughts about um, advice? Well, I, I would reinforce what um, Jill and Gary have said. I, I would, I guess, add getting to know your community however you do it, serving on some one of those um, less active boards perhaps, but <clears throat> know, know what the... Grass, grassroots people want in their community what what are they looking for um and come to some meetings we hardly get we, we have very few people who come to our our selectmen's meetings
2: jill before you you ran you went to lots of meetings is that right you to, to look at the budget i remember you showing up at the warrant committee when i was on the warrant committee oh. kind of watching that process unfold
1: i i may have had uh, an issue that i was following but Frankly, I was quite surprised when Leo asked if I'd consider running because of my previous lack of involvement. Mm -hmm. But uh, as I said, you know, life in a small town, you're looking for a way to engage, and and that seemed a great opportunity. Uh, I think it's really a matter of deciding that you want to be committed at Mm -hmm. that level. And it always – the one thing I would caution is don't run for your governing board because you have, you know, an issue, the, yep. the pothole, the yep. dogs barking, whatever. If if that's your question, then work through your governing body to, to deal with that. But don't run because you've only got one issue because next thing you know, you're going to be asked about, should we send a bell to Canada? And <laughs> you're not
2: ready. <laughs> you're not ready.
1: And and final, one
2: sentence response, what gives you hope and inspiration? What, what's your hope for um, your your communities? Bill?
3: Well, Economic development, I guess, is what, um, you know, with the lobster plant now hiring back 125 people, that's a real plus. Great. great, Um, Gary,
4: what what gives you hope or inspiration to continue? um, The next generation coming up behind us that uh, are starting to get involved again in the local community, and uh, we've got some really uh, tough decisions to make in Ellsworth the next 10 to 15 years, and I hope they're up to it. Great. Great. Jill, what gives you hope and inspiration?
1: Well, I think uh, the ability to maintain a sense of orderliness and fair play is really critical, and I think my community is doing a pretty good job at that.
2: Well, thanks to all of you for being part of Talk of the Towns. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that the program was supported by Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Bound Lane House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests, Jill Goldthwaite, John Bannister, Bill Thayer, and Gary Fortier. Thanks to our underwriters at Maine Community Foundation. Uh, Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning.